Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Okay, so recently our friends over at the UK-China Film Collaboration have been hosting a series of Johnny Toe screenings over at the Prince Charles Theatre in London. Um, obviously, myself and Stephen are sort of hermit types who don't like leaving the house, so we were unfortunately able, unable to make these screenings. But we do have to say a big thank you to Riley, um, who is part of, part of the uh, collective, and had sent us over some screeners of the films that we're covering. Uh, so we're obviously going to go over those now. So a big thank you to them and a big thank you especially to her for sorting those out and hooking us up with some Johnny Toe movies, which is always welcome because Johnny Toe is certainly one of those really interesting directors who never seems to get the sort of traction compared to many of his sort of counters who like Takashi Miike or John Woo. For whatever reason, despite him having a number of releases over here, he's just never really managed to sort of become like one of those big name directors even though obviously in our circles uh, there's a lot of people who do sort of like and admire his work but um, when it comes to Johnny Toe where do you sort of stand on his films doing? Um, I have a sort of dual like, I, I, I like Johnny Toe and I think we've talked about a couple of have we talked about some of his movies so far? Oh, have we done? Did we do Exile? He did Election. Election. And we did Exile right. uh, during the Anthony Wong month. That's um, right. And I and I've written a few articles for Eastern Kicks and fairly recently, like PTU and the like. But <clears throat> I think the thing about Johnny Toe is he kind of exists in two universes. He writes these. And writes and directs and produces. You know, obviously, he's a whole thing. Right? He's 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 an auteur type with his Milky Way Studios, and sometimes he's only like a part director. And he's got a group of people that he works with. And basically, he puts out a lot of these, as we mentioned before, sort of gangster films, police thrillers, thing things like that. The films, basically, we've just talked about, and they're often really tight and strong and interesting and well acted and really popular. In the West, it, amongst us types, yeah, <laughs> the, the the people that would um, follow a, a, a Asian cinema podcast or, or an Asian cinema website. Whereas I don't think I think you're right. I don't think he's got the cult appeal of maybe like look at these crazy Japanese directors, like like the people that you've mentioned. Yeah, but stuff, but but stuff does come over, yeah. Um, like, like I said, there's a really nice cop- a version of PTU, PTU came over not that long ago. So his films are available. On the other hand, the way he funds these films, because these films don't do brilliantly in Hong Kong and they don't, they don't do brilliantly in the Asian d- diaspora. Yeah, he does. He kind of funds them with these um, romantic comedies. You know, I think I've talked at length about how much I love um, my left eye sees ghosts or. Um, 
I can't think. There's a whole bunch of, and I really like them. You know, and as we've spoken before, one of the things I like to like to bring to the audience is Asian cinema. Yes, it's full of all this cult stuff and kaiju and kung fu and and triad movies, but it's also got bog standard coming of age stories, um, bog standard romantic comedies, and and there are some things around the edges that are a little bit different culturally but Johnny Toe basically lives in both worlds so he basically has these really popular movies in 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 Hong Kong and 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 the rest of Asia which kind of fund the the tight strong gangster based crime based thrillers and then those thrillers quite often get remade as well um so you know some of the films we might talk about in a minute have all you'll notice they've all got Russian remakes or Indian remakes or um the Eye in the Sky got remade as Cold Eyes in Korea. Um, both fantastic films. So I I like Johnny Toe. I don't think he's like one of my. To answer your question, I don't think he's one of my go-to directors. But I've rarely been disappointed with a Johnny Toe film, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely so. And now, just like going through his filmography now, and it's surprising the amount of releases that have come out through various labels, but none of them have been. They've had that sort of a claim of like being attached to him as a director um and it's just the same when you go through it it's kind of like um being a crowded house fan you're like oh they they did that one um it's a number of surprises in the like you'd be surprised how many of his films that you may have stumbled across yeah and 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 again we have to also remember in this post handover world post golden age of hong kong cinema a world where even you know, most of the best Hong Kong talent have to go off and make films in the on the mainland. Um, you know, the, the the ability to make films in Hong Kong for a Hong Kong audience. You know, there's a finite number of people in Hong Kong, right? It's it's a small audience to make films just for them if you can't show them in China. And Johnny Toe does a bit of that with his crime movies. That's what he's doing with his <clears throat> more crowd pleasing things. He can get them to be in China, and you'll find there's always you know there's a token mainlander in there and that kind of thing. But other there's him and Edmund Pang, you know the guy who did Love Love and the Love and a Puff and, and and other films that I go on and on about are the only two real power sort of that are making big crowd pleasing movies in Hong Kong. So he's really important for that reason. Um, yeah, there is an indie scene in Hong Kong, but Hong Kong cinema's just a bit compromised at the moment. Um, hopefully it'll get better, but more power to Johnny Toe, but it, you're right, it is interesting that you don't see his, when these films do come out over here, they don't sort of come from, you know, it's not like Arrow Films have got a big Johnny Toe collection, or 88 Films have got a big Johnny Toe collection, or Eureka, I mean, maybe most of them are coming out through Eureka, but there's not, like, I don't know, it's it's very different to, to Kashi Miike, or to Sion Sono, yeah. where, where 75% of their films come out over here, that's just not the case. But I, but like I say, I cannot think of a really bad one I've ever seen on either side of his CV. Okay, well we certainly put that theory to the test tonight. As <laughs> uh, first up, uh, we had Life Without Principle from 2011, uh, which three characters—a criminal, a bank clerk, and a police officer—find their lives intertwined around the um, assault on a loan shark. 
And while this happening in the midst of the world going through a financial crisis as uh, Greece is looking for a bailout. So this is during the 2008 financial crisis, I want to say. Um, probably earlier than that because this film... Oh no, 2011 film. Yes, you're probably right. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, that was what weird about the three. The three films we've got, the other two are from the about 10 years earlier. <laughs> so it was a bit a bit weird that Life Without Principle was in this collection of three, although I, I know why it was. Um, but but uh, Life Without Principle is available on Netflix, so if you want to check it out, you can check it out on, on there. Um, it's also available to rent on Amazon in the US. But this one is basically Johnny Till giving his version of The Big Short, um, in which we get to see the just how screwed up the financial system basically is but we're seeing it from the perspective of three different uh, characters we've got a cop whose girlfriend's trying to buy an apartment at the same time the mainland chinese are sort of sniffing around the the sort of housing market so there's increasing pressure for them to buy um at the same time we've got a bank clerk who's being pushed to um sort of sell loans and investments and the bank are just like really just really pushing away with people's money and not going giving any sort of real concern to the financial outcome of this uh, situation and uh, in particular this um bank like she's played by denise ho um who is just phenomenal the great, the great denise ho who i think has re- recently been arrested bless her but um yeah so she's a um i, I haven't seen her act very much but she's a very well-known music star um in hong kong um one of the few um she, she really stands up to what's happening in hong kong in the moment so she's become a very political figure um you know she talk you know she makes speeches at the un and stuff like that um she's also one of the few hong kong stars that has come out as gay um she's bloody brilliant and <laughs> and and it was a real surprise to see her acting i know she has done stuff but you know she's she's probably got more screen time in this movie than anybody i don't know if you agree but it, feel, it feels like that uh, and and it's really good but she's yeah she's she's just a phenomenal person and uh all power to her uh, we also have a gangster here played by lu ching wan who you probably remember from like police story 2 and black mask uh he's also in yeah. executioners as well so yeah, Sean Lau as as is his, his anglicised name. Yeah, he's, and he's a real Johnny Toe um, uh, sort of uh, player. You know, he's he's in a lot of his films. Um, and, you know, what was the film he was in recently that we covered? I can't remember. But he's just really, really good in everything he does. He's got this sort of hangdog face, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, I mean, he was in <laughs> Bullet Vanishes. Yeah, um, that's right. He's in Color of Truth. Yeah, um, um, we've seen Fairy Tale Killer, which we haven't covered, but I think we've both we've both seen. We yeah, not a film I'm a huge fan of, but <laughs> I'd be I'd, lo- I'd love to. Well, I'd love to revisit it actually because it's interesting that it got a release over here. Um, it, that's a that's one of the um, Pang Brothers, isn't it? Fairy Tale Killer, yes, um, Oxide or someone. Yeah, I, I, not not. And I'm a big fan of their film, so it's interesting. So I'd love to go back and look at it. He's also in one of the greatest romantic. Hong Kong films of all time, Cecil V, one or more, is that what it's called? Something French like that, um, which is another film I really would like to uh, bring to the show. So yeah, he's he's just he's one of those people. When you if if you watch a lot of Hong Kong cinema, you'll recognise his face immediately. <laughs> he's uh, he's and and he's a really really good actor. 
Yeah, and his story is probably one of the most interesting of this. I mean, obviously, next to um, Denise Ho's character. Those two are the, sort of the main plot threads. Richie Jen's Inspector character, it feels more just like filler, really, to bring everything together. Um, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, it's um, weird. his girlfriend it's weird, looks really it? similar to Denise Ho as well, yeah. which only adds the confusion. <laughs> it's... Um... Because, yeah, what I found is that Sean Lyle's character doesn't even turn up for half an hour. You know, we... we, we if, if I've got a criticism of the film, it's a bit stodgy to start with. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we spend... We spend so we, we, we open up, and it feels like it's going to be a police thriller, doesn't it? We get the Richie Jen... Yeah. In a... Oh, if stumbling upon a crime scene, but then we find out that his wife wants to buy this amazing-looking apartment. It's With a harbour view. No less. Yeah, well, that, that I don't think any police, police policeman would ever be able to buy, but I guess that's the point. And this, of course, is fairly contemporaneous, isn't it, with um, Edmund Pang's Dream Home, which was made yeah, the year exactly. before. Yeah, exactly, that's what a, I thought. Yeah, she mentioned like the Harbour s- View. I was like, yeah. oh, one for Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you know, that, that post-2008 crash thing, the housing market, how people... You know the everyday Hong Kong are being priced out of their own houses, and so so it felt like that. And then we go and meet Denise Ho, who's not doing very well in her job at the bank, and then we spend what feels like an eternity of her selling a risky investment to an old lady, which is kind of funny, but so full of repetition. I was like, please get on with it. And then finally, after about twenty minutes, in which they could have, you know, Toe could have made the point in five minutes. It's not. It's not a complex thing that, that's going on here. Then finally, we get to the gangster story um, after we've had a, a big thing, and then and then these three stories all kind of intertwine. But we go back in time. We see scenes from different perspectives, and and and, and then you get a real after that stodgy beginning. It really sort of picks up pace, and it gets really interesting. Not just from the three stories all starting to interlink. And you're right. The um the, the the police story the first story never really goes anywhere. It sort of just no. It, it feels almost it, like an afterthought until we get to the ending. Um, that, that's right. I would say that Panther really has the most interesting. Oh, I say it has the most interesting. The problem is this film, as you said, is very stodgy in the start. So it's kind of like fish story in that respect. And you've got to sort of bear with it. And then when you get into that second half, and everything starts coming together. And in particular, mm. you see, it's bizarre as well, the fact that this gangster character is going to be the one who's going to really be the one with the foresight to see this upcoming crash. Because he mm. stum- he's sets off to collect this um, doll money to get his boss out of out of jail. And he sort of stump as he's going around collecting all these different debts and he's losing various gang members who have decided, seen it as an easy out. He stumbles into basically a boiler room scam where they're crashing stocks. And he's like looking at the market. And it's like, no, we're we're heading for a crash here. Um, and he's basically it comes down to like this this last moment where he basically has to gamble everything his boss has on against the market, so to speak, and on uh, mm. on Greece being bailed out. And it's so it's weirdly gripping in the same way that the big shorts gripping. You've got this horror story of just of like how the banks were playing around with everyone's money and how money works on this larger scale which is uh, truly horrific and then we get this ending where he essentially takes his boss's position and he goes into the cigar shop 
and he's like saying to the guys who are like, oh, I want the ones with the red label after this guy gives him the whole spiel. And he's sort of like, oh, you want this and this. You're clearly a man who knows what he wants. It's like, you didn't have any clue what he wanted. <laughs> well, he says he wants the ones with the red label. <laughs> yeah, but of course, the, the whole Cuban cigar thing, isn't it, is, is uh, has been shown to him to be a, a status symbol earlier on. And, and and then, of course, you've also got um, sort of, so this, this, this thread which is joining the stories together in a way one of the threads is that uh, you know denise ho uh, a, a, a client of her bank who's clearly a fucking loan shark yes <laughs> criminal type is 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 also seeing what's going on and he's withdrawing a set of money out of the bank and ironically because he trusts her so much something happens which means he puts half the money he's withdrawn back and just says oh you can you put that back in and she says do you want to do the paperwork and he says no it's all right we'll do it later you know i trust you just but uh, but things happen which mean he doesn't doesn't live another five minutes into the film and and then she's got this five million hong kong dollars which is about 50 grand in uk money so we're not talking we're talking life-changing amounts but not ridiculously life-changing amounts um but yeah, that happens. That happens like twenty-five minutes into the movie, mate, and I'll, and you just spend the rest of the film just like take the money and run. I have to say, he's the most. <laughs> it also says something when the loan shark is more honourable than the bank. <laughs> yeah, he says he's think... all like, I only charge twelve percent cent compared to what the bank charges. And and there is something you know. This is a story. This isn't really a. Now, this isn't a, a, a Johnny Toe crime story. This isn't a romantic drama. This is this is a story about money and Hong Kong's relationship with money. Um, you know the way that everyone wants to get rich. The everything is getting, but because of this, this 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 economic obsession, everything's getting out of price ranges. Yeah, for everybody, it's 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 got lots going on. Um, and I hadn't seen it before. Have you seen it before? No, I've not seen any of these three films before. So okay. this was the first one I watched. And I have to yeah, say, I'm I... not sure that, as I said, it was just that, that first half. I was all like, oh, God, this is really, really stodgy. Am I just being like really dumb? So I'm kind of relieved the fact that I'm not the only one who was all like, no, I thought no, it was really I've... bogged down at the start there. I, I was really, I mean, I lo- love to see Denise Ho, as I say, big fan of her, but... I you know I wish you get a guitar out and sing a song or something, because it just didn't feel it was going. But then suddenly, the craft of the film and everything he's setting up and and the way the story's intertwined, but with these flashbacks as well, it just and it's only what it's less than two hours long. It's about an hour and forty five something like that. It's just you can just see this is a guy who really knows how to make a film, really knows how to bring performances out of people, and there is a moral here above and beyond of just the the story itself and there's laughs as well i mean it's quite funny to watch the guy driving around that's been stabbed in the heart oh yeah that's <laughs> the most stupidest part of this whole film isn't it yeah so. you know there, but there, 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 there are moments of comedy there's moments of horror there's crime there's thriller there's 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 a social that's, that's that's what i've really been struggling for you know there's social commentary here and it's not subtle and yeah i really really liked it to be honest with you but that first 25 minutes or so 
well, not even the first 25 minutes, sort of that, that after the first five minutes, that 20 minute segment where Denise Ho's trying to sell something to a little old lady. I understand completely. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, I personally, I really recommend it in the end. I, I was surprised. And it is a well regarded movie, so I, I, I would be surprised if we both went against it. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Running on Karma from 2003. Which is an interesting movie, to mm. say the least. Um, here, Andy Lowe. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun to try and say in a straight face. Um, Andy Lowe plays a monk who has become a bodybuilder who can also see people's past lives. It's also a film where he runs around in a very rubbery looking muscle suit that, mm. in various states of undress, which I'm. I did a rather double take when he first ends up on the screen, and he kind of looks like when you wear a mascot costume and don't wear the headpiece. It's the sort of... I mean, it is a ridiculous one. Although, you, what you will notice is, if you see stills of it, it looks absolutely fine. It's only when it's in... Yeah, you posted a picture. Was it you that posted Yeah, I posted a picture earlier today. I, about it, and, so. and it doesn't... It just looks like Andy Lau with a tiny head. But, it, it yeah. But it's hilarious the, the, the visuals are hilarious. this is a weird old film um i i i must have seen it before because this was like one of the sort of the breakthrough films with the international audience um obviously andy lau is a is a huge star um in hong kong um cecilia chung is that the lady in it one of the one of um the Sing Girls from Stephen Chow's King of Comedy, I want to say, who's got the sexiest voice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Love Cecilia Chung. She was, I think she was married to Nick Che at the time. Um, but it is a film that the first two acts are like a comedy. I think it's fair enough to say, like a comedy um, thriller. You should. I you can't go that far. I mean, too seriously. It starts but, like you're gonna. You're in. You're watching Seven. You're yeah. watching this. Like this. They go in and they find this guy's been beaten to death, and they find this uh, Indian guy who's contorted himself into an oil can, and he like like uh, wrenches himself out, and he escapes from the police, and it's like, oh great, we got this like. We got this serial killer on the loose, and we got these really dark murders. We then, we then cut to um, Andy Lau doing some uh, bodybuilder stripping, um, which is the first moment you question the suit before he's running down the street naked for indecent exposure, despite being egged on by um, Celia Chung's female police officer who's working undercover. I don't know what case she's supposedly covering. Oh, they say, she says um, later on, because um, all those girls that are crooning after him are also police officers as well, it turns out. <laughs> okay. Um, they're, 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 it's drugs. They're, they're going to do a drug sting okay. on somebody. Yeah, they mention it about two thirds. You know, later on when he goes back to the competition? Yes. And they're all there and swooning over him again. And she says, oh, yeah, they're all my friends from the police force. That night we were we were doing a drug sting or something. Right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it is a bit weird <laughs> so yeah it's from this moment really though that the film goes absolutely cuckoo bananas as um it's, she forms this weird bond with uh andy Lau's uh character who's known only as big because that's some creative naming right there um i shouldn't have been surprised really that this is um co-directed by uh wakai fei 
who is also a, who always seems to like take things off in a weird direction when he teams up with Johnny Toe. Um, I mean, the the pair of them do sort of produce and direct a lot of the Milky Way films, don't they? And yes, it's 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 no surprise. But yeah, I don't know. Just the first two thirds feels like this. You're right. The sort of weirdly tonal buddy police comedy because he's got a. He's not only is he. I mean, he's not just a fucking bodybuilder, is he? He's massive. <laughs> um, Ex-bodybuilder stripper who used to be a monk. And he has the ability to see people's past lives. When he touches... And, you know, and, and it's a bit weird, because the first person I think we see him do it to is a dog. Yes. He's... <laughs> that we find out in a previous life he was a human that bullied dogs or something. And, and so... The, the the title is is very important. It's about karma, and and about you know what you do in this life or what you do in a past life affects you in this life, which then leads us to that weird final act. It does, unless you're in China where they cut it out. <laughs> well, they, they I, I haven't seen the Chinese. Yeah, version, they they but, cut out um, the philosophical ending, so it's a much more traditional ending. So it's like no, no, no <laughs> philosophical endings for us. Um, so they cut all that out because. I'm not going to even spoil the ending because I'm just going to... There's too much bizarre stuff that happens between the start and the end of this movie. And the end is certainly interesting, to say the least. And I think that's the term I found myself frequently using because... Yeah, I just just find... Like you, probably... I think it's a film you need to see to understand what we're we're tip-tapping around. But one of our lead characters doesn't make it to the end of the movie... Quite shockingly, true. <laughs> um, and then there is, it becomes very philosophical, and it, it waxes on the nature of Buddhism, and it feels like a completely different movie. But it all kind of works. But yeah, it's got a little, little bit of thriller movie, like serial killer thriller, a bit of a police procedural, a bit of a buddy comedy going on, and. By the way, let's have a talk about spiritualism and Buddhism. Mm. There's a lot going on. At the end of the day, though, I kind of like it. I kind of liked it, but it's also <laughs> just bizarre as all hell. I mean, the fact that they can't... It's not enough for, for Big to be able to see people's past lives. He also has moments where he demonstrates superhuman strength, um, including him taking on our, not only one, but two colourful villains here. We have a a uh, human fly like character who seems to be like in a wetsuit covered in grease uh, that he uh, has a rooftop fight with and we obviously have our contortionist indian guy who he not only traps an event but twists the vent into a uh, <laughs> into a um cone with his bare leg power it's it's a unique one to say the least I'm, i would be interested to see how this played with an audience to say the least so but i think if it had been a japanese film we would have been, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I think it's because it's a Hong Kong movie, and because it's Andy Lau, and because it's Cecilia Chung, and it's because it's it it's not just wacky wacky. Mm. There's this whole there's two other layers around the wacky. There's there's the, a genuine crime. You know, it's Johnny Toe, right? There's there's the genuine crime stuff going on underneath, and then there's this whole. Religious. I cannot imagine. I, I I did know that the Chinese version had a lot of the 
the spiritual side of it cut out. I'm guessing then they just cut out the last 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, although Andy Lowe, I mean, he's obviously no stranger to a bodysuit, as previous to this he was in the fat suit for Love on a Diet. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, again, we've talked before, El. Asian cinema can be a little behind the times. And I always wonder, I mean, why did Andy, why has Andy Lowe never really made that jump into Western cinema the same way that many of his contemporaries have? Um, I wonder if he needs to. Obviously, um, yes, I mean, he's in every movie coming out of Hong Kong, but still. But not not just that. He's a huge star across the Chinese-speaking diaspora because he's a singer as well. So he's like one of the four heavenly, whatever they're called. Kings. kings that's right so he is a superstar in in all of asia right i am surprised though that he you know he he, i I don't know if he can speak english or anything i'm surprised he didn't even get a and and you can tell me if i'm wrong you know did he even get a did scorsese invite him over for a little cameo in the departed that would have been nice wouldn't it um and i've got to be honest i've always Historically, I haven't really liked Andy Lau because he's got a little shrew-like face and I don't trust him. <laughs> Is it but... because he looks like a Weasley fellow who would, when especially when he plays like criminal types? Yeah, I do think he's got, there's something about him, I don't trust him. On the other hand though, I have over maybe the last 10 years really grown to respect him because once you find out he's he's in all kinds of movies and he's got clear, he's got charisma pouring out of every pore. And he's quite self-effacing in the real world. You know, he's just a nice guy. <laughs> I think I'm I'm coming around to him. But he's, you're right though, he is huge in Hong Kong. He is huge in China. He's huge, you know, all, all over Asia. And it is a surprise. I, get, I, I guess he just can't speak English very well. But it would probably turn out like Tony Lung Jr., not junior, little, little no, Tony, me. that he can that he can speak perfect English as well, and it just hasn't happened for him. But maybe he's just too busy. I guess going out, you know, we've talked about this before. All those directors like Choi Hark and the like, um, like and actors like Jet Li and um, Jackie Chan sort of went out there. The 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 Park Chan Wooks from Korea and then people like that have found the Hollywood filmmaking process. It's too slow. There's too many people interfering. And so maybe just that freedom, even in a world where mainland China owns the Hong Kong film industry, there's still, you know, okay, you can't have ghosts and you can't can't do certain things, but you know the rules up front. You don't have someone giving you notes every day and saying, oh, I don't like that. Then you have to redo yeah, that. American actors so, only used to work in sixteen-hour days, aren't they? So, and there's and there's that as well. And remember, he'll be making four films a year, yeah, at least. He'll be making an album. He might be doing a concert tour all over the place. Has he got time? Does he need to? What 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 more does he need? Uh, that would be the would be the I, I guess in all you know you just he would just slow down and you find they've all come back. Only, you know, again and again, we'll just point to Ang Lee as the only <laughs> modern Asian director to make it. Even Jackie Chan as an actor came back. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's a it's yeah. a shame. It's a shame. But he's he's great in this. It's ridiculous. I couldn't believe it when I first saw it, mate. 
I thought, is that Andy Lau? <laughs> I will say he has actually made one film in the West, but he might as well just be considered an Eastern film, and that's The Great War in 2016. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a, that's that's a, that's a Chinese film. It is, isn't it? <laughs> and I think if more people realise that, I think more people would have seen it. But it's a Zhang Zimou movie um, that yeah. they just they basically just put him in like uh, to, so they could sell tickets to the Americans. It's um, kind of like Raymond Blair in uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters, the American cut of obviously uh, Godzilla. Um, yeah, and like Christian Bale's in is it the Flowers of yes, War? Whatever he it's is. called. Yeah. It's your um, disdain for Andy Lois so, because he double crosses at the end of Infernal Affairs. We've still not forgiven him for that. Because um, <laughs> I sure haven't. That, do, you, do, do, do you know what? That probably is part of it. Because thinking about it, probably one of the first films with Andy Lau in would have been that I yeah. would have seen was Infernal Affairs back when it. Because it and funnily enough, do you know where I saw Infernal Affairs? At the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester See, Square. that's on my bucket <laughs> cinema list. I still want to get to the uh, Prince Charles one these days, but you know. Yeah, obviously your world is different. Yeah, I went, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I saw that at the cinema. It's a great place. If you like, not just, um, not just Asian film or even world cinema. If you like any cult cinema, they also do things like, you know, if you're into the sound of music or the rock. It's a revival show, house, isn't it? These, so. Yeah, they do these, these, these night, I mean, I've, it's not my cup of tea, right? But you don't want to see Sing Along, Little Mermaid. <laughs> no, not my cup of tea. But I think it's you know it's right on the edge of Chinatown and Leicester Square. Um, you can go to Leicester Square if you want and go and see all the big movies at a greatly inflated price. But just to just to the side, <coughs> you can go have a nice proper Chinese meal and. Whenever you go, there'll be something interesting on. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Prince Charles, and long may it last. Because don't get a lot of places like that these days. Not, uh, not places with proper seating. No, because <laughs> no. we've got a, a um, local sort of cinema opened up in Southsea um, that's doing like revival esque screenings amongst other bits and pieces. And yeah, I don't think they've got proper like cinema seating, so it's like. It puts me off like going to see in June for like two and a half hours on a proper chair. Mm. Yeah, we've we've got similar little sort of boutique cinemas yeah. opened up in Reading during lockdown, and I was really excited about it. And then I saw what they're, they're just show they're just showing the big films. I don't want to go and see Top Gun Maverick in a boutique cinema. <laughs> Do you know, if I, if I want to go and see that at the cinema, I'll go and see that in. 4D at the showcase or whatever it is, yeah, Dolby Atmos. Um, I want that cinema to show me movies like this. But you know, what's the audience in Central Reading for this film? Probably nothing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, please, please support the Prince Charles because it's a great place. Um, then wrapping up our trilogy of Johnny Toe movies, we had breaking news. Uh, this one is from 2004, um, in which a the police force um, attempt to sway the media's portrayal of uh, of the Hong Kong Police Department when they get caught up in a showdown with a group of bank robbers that hold up in an apartment block. Um, if you were like myself and thought that the best part of Heat was when they had the bank robbery, you'd really like this one because that's how this one opens with a very 
ballistic shootout sequence that uh, where everyone seems to have guns. It's like watching Death Wish Free again. Everyone suddenly has guns for no apparent reason. Um, and during this uh, shootout that uh, these robbers, they go and hold up in an apartment block and it, one of the police commissioners decides that the best way to tackle this will be to play the media against them. And what ends up happening is that you end up with this battle of wills as both sides attempt to play the media in their favour um, as they show down um, in their siege um, start operation. Uh, this is my probably my favourite of the three films that we watched. I really, really enjoyed this one a lot. And I have to say that it's one that starts really... Has that really great opening with a big shootout. And it's one that never really sort of lets up over its runtime And constantly manages to surprise me as it really sort of focuses on the power of the media. Especially in the modern age. And certainly how things are portrayed and how it can be used to influence how we perceive events. Um, but this one, as I said, this one's... Um, got a few names in it i mean we get a special appearance by simon yang as a uh, commissioner wong uh but really it's um between two the two leads here we've got uh richie jen and kelly chen who uh, plays the commissioner who's handling the case we also get lam suet who i recently saw in time um but obviously enough of those actors who turns up everywhere well, he's in. I think. I think it's a law that he has to be in every film <laughs> it's ever made. Two hundred and eight credits. Nick Chung. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Nick Chung's in this one as well, which I think is like one of the Nick Chung we spoke about him before. I think at this time he's probably still better known as a comedian um, than what's the film I made you watch? Beastalker, yes. wasn't it? Um, that that. That, that that's where he re his his acting career really took off, and now he's a director. So yeah, it's got a great cast. It's got, you know, fess up. I didn't get a chance to re-watch this one, but I had seen this one before, and I'm trying to remember it. And yes, this is a great movie. <laughs> this is this is this is prime Johnny Toe. Um, again, it's got the action beats. It's got interesting character stuff, but there's a social commentary here about TV and TV news and its manipulation and the way it can be manipulated. So, and, and that opening scene, I, I know every review I've just seen on Letterboxd just says that's, that's worth the price of uh, admission itself. So I am going to re-watch it while we still have the screeners, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to watch it. For this, uh, for this little mm, chat. But no, Richie Wren's very fanta is fantastic as uh, Ewan, who's sort of like this master thief. Um, at the same time, they end up uh, stumbling into another group of bandits that are also holed up at the same apartment block with the two meeting together. And it does that John Woo thing, you know, the honour amongst thieves and the brotherhood of, uh, of criminality thing. And it, which, I mean, it plays okay, but at the same time, this. Just seeing how Richie and Ewan is just like constantly playing the situation, how he's constantly adapting to this ever escalating situation. The fact that um, the police they play it so like so they have the public on the side, just like you know these uh, dangerous crooks, and then he decides, no, I'm going to show them, show the what's happening inside the apartment, and he shows the the habits in the sit down meal with his family. He's sort of taken hostage. It's sort of like, look, we're honourable people and he's like trying to play the honourable crook role and try to swing it in their favour so it's um, 
it's it's very good and certainly has some great chemistry with uh, Kelly Chen especially. They almost have a almost flirtatious banter back and forth, but mm. um, yeah, the action's really good yeah, as well. And Richie, yeah, and Richie Jen. I mean, this is the second of the second of the films which he got part in. He's, he's like a Taiwanese actor who's obviously phenomenally popular across Asia, but maybe someone that we don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's really on our radar in the same way. But you look at the films. Oh no, I'm looking. in all kinds of films, not just action mm. films, not just Johnny Toe films. You know, he's in. I mean, he's in. Will you still love me tomorrow? Which is like an LGBT drama. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's he's a big deal. And also, you know, and not actually from Hong Kong. You know, he's he's a Taiwanese actor. So um, that that's kind of interesting. But I was just yeah, I was just looking at some of his. Uh, uh, cinematic CV, and it just—it's just one of those guys I don't really think of. Now, if you told me to name twenty top Hong Kong cinema actors, he wouldn't be in there. But actually, you know what? He probably should be. <laughs> Which is why maybe in in um, Life Without Principle, it's a bit of a shame that he's so sidelined. He's only in a few scenes, although he he does get a he does get a big bang, doesn't he? Trap place, <laughs> which uh, who was? Oh yeah, he was the detective. He's, he's the he's the he's yeah. the main police detective. Um, yeah, I'd say he's much more memorable in this one than he is in in that one. Mm. He's also in Exiles as well. Bring this back to that he film is. again. He is indeed. Maybe that's something we need to. Well, we covered. I mean, we obviously just talked about <laughs> we... the Anthony Wong month. Uh, the, mm. That's the one with that really again has a really bizarre shootout where they shoot at the guy's apartment and then they all sit down and have dinner together and repair his apartment. Um, but no, Exiles another really fun fun one. If you've not seen that, I would say it's definitely a, a must see on Johnny Toe's filmography for sure. Um, Thank you very much, Riley, for hooking us up uh, with with the screeners. That was very uh, great. I know she also mentioned that she was hoping to do uh, show the heroic trail, but Criterion are currently um, tied up with the rights of that one, so she couldn't show that one. Which is a shame because I think heroic trail would have been another fun outing to the uh, the cinema to see. I think it's a film that would yeah, and well. would have shown another. Another aspect of what Johnny Toe is. The only thing missing for me is maybe a classic romantic comedy like Don't Go Breaking My Heart or something like that. But these films are all tied up with so many different distributors and owners. It must be almost impossible to put a season out, you know, to to, to curate a season of films by any any Hong Kong director. Um, but uh, no, definitely uh, if you are in the London area or you can get to the London area, do check the uh, Prince Charles uh, listings so they have got operations that are coming up on their listings. I've got some Jackie Chan movies also coming up there as well, so uh, definitely check them out and uh, also check out the, as we said, um, the UK-China Film Collaborative um, who obviously responsible for organizing uh, these screenings and uh, they've got obviously they've got other screens um coming up as well so um definitely uh check them out they're available on twitter and instagram and they have all the details of what they got coming up there as well but um yes thank you again uh for those riley um and uh yeah we will certainly look at some more Johnny Toe coming up because there's a few just looking at the filmography now that it's all like they'll be really fun to uh to bring to the show things like Hero Never Dies and 
uh, I said PTU, Mad Detective, those sorts of ones. So. Let us know. If you if there's a Johnny Toe movie you'd like to see us cover on the show, please do let us know. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.